0: For most of the world, and certainly for us, this abominable invasion has been very hard to understand, especially at at this time and age, one would have thought that this would have never happened.
1: It is a marvelous opportunity to see the faces of Ukrainian people, of the heroic people of Ukraine that have been doing what, ha- what you have been doing in the way you have been doing it. It is absolutely admirable. I must say from the very beginning, you know, I think that this nation has no towels to throw onto the ring. What we have is our deep understanding that this war cannot be stopped, but it can be won. And this is why all our guys and girls are fighting in the trenches. All our diplomats, and I belong to Ukrainian diplomats, are doing everything possible to, uh, to get to Ukraine more modern weapon, more sanctions, and more financial support from the institutions and the lies. And the whole Ukrainian society uh, has, uh, has put away uh, their their own businesses uh, and started volunteering to help the army and to help the guys uh, on the front line. So Ukrainian nation is uh, being born again for the third time uh, uh, within the last two de- decades. But now we are fighting a war uh, of independence and we must win this war. I think
2: when people in other countries look at the war, they think of wars over territory or a war over some particular issue. And this is a war of existence. Russia and their leader Putin have announced that they don't believe Ukraine or Ukrainians as a culture, as a history, as a people, as a language exists. They are trying to eradicate the existence of Ukraine and Ukrainians. That is their announced, discussed on their television constantly. That is their strategy. And so there is no way to do anything other than defend your homeland and your existence to the very bitter last moment. Because there is no other solution. There is no territorial solution. There is no separate law that allows for another language solution. All of those things have been ongoing for decades. And frankly speaking, and many in Latin America will understand this, this Russian imperialism, this colonialism is hundreds of years old. Peter the Great attempted to eliminate the existence of the Ukrainian language. Putin compares himself to Peter the Great. And so what we have is a situation where Ukrainians can't throw in the towel, as you said and Alexei said, Because that would be acknowledging that we don't exist, and we do exist, we're here.
3: As for the previous historical background, yes, formally, Soviet Union was a federation of different so-called independent states, and uh, they did uh, this uh, due to some uh, official and diplomatic acts uh, reasons for example to have more votes in the uh, united nations and, and and so on but mentally mentally we had the the federation uh, led and run by uh, russian nation uh, russian superiority and all other uh, peoples all other nations consider it as uh, minor ones uh, with minor culture with minor uh, minor mentality and this is the quite pure imperialistic paradigm maybe the last one in, in in modern world but we need we i i mean the the whole world need to fight and overcome this paradigm and to diminish it forever and to uh, to put the the values of uh, individuals the values of independence and the values of the equality of all nations as the key value for the further development
0: we at aspen we talk a lot about values and when we talk about values we talk not about some declarations somebody uh, would like to show or express we talk about actions, and we understand values as a mechanism how you take this or those decisions. So it's not what you say; it's w- how you act, like like Americans and British said, like "walks the talk." So for us, why it's all horror started? I do believe it's existential uh, question of values which dominates in these two societies even though we, we had like some historical mm-hmm. common events, like we are so different Ukrainians and Russians based on values we live and the way how we live. And like, I do believe that Putin, and it's not about Putin itself. It's about the like big part of Russian society, like like dominant part of Russian society. They simply cannot accept our desire to live free, just, equitable, like life, uh, with dignity. They cannot accept that we don't want to be back to the Soviet communistic times. And we would like to live like European, like we uh, like it's it's close to us, like European Western values oriented, like human values oriented life. So I think that's the existential problem and difference between two societies. And um, I'm here to talk about a bit of civil society's role in this war and as was mentioned before, like I think the, the, key, the key factor of our resilience and our like resistance is mobilization of the whole society. So when this uh, like full escalation, this new phase of war started, each Ukrainian, he like from one side, he felt the existential threat like addressed personally to each Ukrainian, just because you are Ukrainian, and from another like like side, each of us felt that we just need to do something to protect our values, values of freedom, by actions, and it's 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 so different that, that 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 to what what's happening in Russia, because like even within Aspen community in Ukraine during first two and a half or three weeks, a lot of us we focused our efforts trying to reach out. Russian society and tell them, look, this horror is going on in Ukraine right now. Look, kids are getting killed. Look, your soldiers are raping our women and, and, and burning them afterwards. We are trying to tell them the truth, just trying to like wake them up, but it like no result, no result. Propaganda, yes, partially propaganda, like brainwashing, yes, but like for the in this moment, it really doesn't even matter because we have like a society which really supports this like this terror. And uh, that's a big difference. And uh, that's what it's really important to understand. And that's why we are doing all these events simply to tell the motivation and the real like substance of what is going on and why it's not about like the negotiation process not and like we, we, they will never stop. Because these values, which are so important for us, are so like, far away and not
2: shared by their society. This is long before the war. I think that's what people need to understand. Ukrainians have understood, because it's a neighbor next door, how different these societies are. And they've made their choice year after year after year, decade after decade now. Russia doesn't enjoy, Russians don't enjoy any freedom of religion, for example. And Ukrainians enjoy broad freedom of religion. To believe, not believe. Mosques, synagogues, evangelicals, Roman Catholic, Orthodox, multiple Orthodox church—you name it. There, there are. There's a Mormon tabernacle in Kiev. Mormons are illegal in Russia. We know what that freedom is: freedom of speech, freedom of the media and the press. There has been none in Russia, and we have complete freedom now, especially with the internet of free of speech and press and civil society in Ukraine. We see journalists murdered in Russia year after year for speaking out against the regime.
3: I would like just to mention that at this moment about 40,000 women are fighting with arms now, fighting and protecting us and protecting the territory of Ukraine and the existence of Ukraine. It's a huge amount. Uh, it's unbelievable to have such amount in, in, in Russia, for example. And this is all the... All today's processes are not occasional. This is a continuation of historical and traditional and of our cultural pattern and our difference between two of these cultures, Russian and, and, and Ukrainian. Uh, you could ask every ordinary uh, Ukrainian uh, man, and this is not strange for, for him, for this uh, ordinary man that uh, uh, about the huge role of women in in every uh, in every field of everyday life uh, it, it's natural for our history yeah because we we had uh, a lot of freedoms for uh, for women uh, for ages and only some uh, some russian tradition some uh, religion russian tradition put as importance and uh, and limits uh, to women development and to uh, to role of women in, in, in society, in family and so on. Look, it all started
1: back uh, in the years when the Americans uh, started providing us with uh, very important the high-precision anti-tank equipment, uh, so-called javelins, uh, and uh, the Brits started providing our army with and uh, laws. This was exactly the thing we needed uh, by the beginning of this large-scale uh, invasion. Uh, second important element was that after we uh, pushed Russians back uh, from uh, my hometown and from our capital Kiev, uh, the needs have changed, and we approached all the partners. Uh, to get more armored vehicles uh, and artillery. So now, actually, we are in, the, in that phase of war, which, uh, which is a artillery war, and Russians uh, have upper hand uh, because their stocks uh, are really immense. Uh, what we managed to do is to, uh, to get first Western equipment, Western officers. Now Western countries start providing us with uh, multiple launch uh, rocket systems. This is very important and with high precision uh, anti-ship rockets, which uh, helps us uh, in uh, uh, have it Russian, pushed away from uh, from Odessa and from uh, our uh, coast. So uh, what we need most now is uh, the anti-aircraft uh, defense systems, because just imagine, uh, every day from ten to fifteen uh, cruise missiles are uh, is being are being fired uh, upon our cities and uh, uh, critical and civilian infrastructures.
2: So let me eight years ago when this war began, and. In February of 2014, with the illegal occupation and then annexation of Crimea, we had no military. The previous administration and administration had, in essence, in essence eliminated it. There had been a Russian national managing the Ministry of Defense. They had sold off all we had left were either battered and or spare parts, if anything, in terms of equipment. There had been no true training. And so it's over these eight years, in response to this war, but as neat as clearly necessary, that a true military was built. The US, Canada and Britain helped us to train our soldiers. The entire Ukrainian military has been uh, receiving a substantial amount of Ukrainian funds since 2015. 5% of GDP has gone towards national security, meaning the Ministry of Interior, the National Guard and the the Army, the Armed Forces. And what you see today, that incredibly um, brave, courageous, thoughtful, well-organized, disciplined army is an army that was built over the last eight years in the throes of a war that has been ongoing in the East um, for those eight years. And so, yes, the Western military support is absolutely necessary that Alexei was describing and I see he's back, but not only was that, I mean, you couldn't put it into the hands of a military that didn't know how to function. That, that, those, that equipment is capable of helping and, and giving us the edge because of the, of the military that was built over the eight years by Ukrainians and the sacrifices has been made by them to do this in a way um, that as you're seeing is very different than the Russian military. The second largest military in the world seems to have you know, morale problems, seems to have management problems, seems to have uh, a, a lack of, of training for many, the conscripts that they're using seem to be not trained properly. So it may be an overwhelming force physically in numbers. But you have an overwhelming sense of duty, patriotism, commitment, and professionalism in the Ukrainian army, which is balancing this out together with those Western armaments.
3: You could just to compare two pictures of Donetsk that were, was occupied by Russians since uh, 2014. And if they, they said that we organized a terror in the Donbass region, but please compare the picture of Donetsk. Um, more or less nice city now. And the picture of Mariupol after uh, being uh, liberated uh, by by Russians. So this is only the pretext and the inventions, the mythology, yes, yeah, the, the fair tale they are using to uh, to justify this so-called uh, special military operation.
2: I just want to remind everyone that this war began eight years ago. I think, I think what happened is it, it fell off the news radar screens of the world. And so if you ask if Ukrainians were surprised, the only thing anyone can be surprised is with the murderous barbaric uh, tools that have been used against civilians. I think everyone, no one could in their right mind expect rape of 10 month old children. So that you could never expect, you could never conceive of the type of barbarism that that is being delivered upon the Ukrainian people.